jasoncharles.net. Deep talk, talk, deep deep sounds. This is Body Tonic Radio with Jennifer DeLuca on jasoncharles.net. This is Jennifer DeLuca, and you are listening to Body Tonic Radio on jasoncharles.net. I'd like to introduce to you today a dear friend and colleague. Her name is Candace Thompson, and she will be interviewing me today for our first installment of Body Tonic Radio. Just to give you a little bit about Candace, I often refer to her as the woman who can do anything. Before the age of 35, she was a professional dancer, had her own custom dancewear line, designed and produced costumes for many dance and performance companies in New York and elsewhere, had a successful residency at the Textile Arts Center in Brooklyn, helped grow Body Tonic Pilates Gymnasium in Brooklyn, received a master's in creative nonfiction from Columbia. She founded DIY Dancer, which is a publication both online and in print where she works with the creativity inside the dance world and featuring the work of artists that we don't normally get to hear about. She can also golf and drive a stick shift and now add mom to her list of accomplishments. Hi, Candice. Hi, Jen. It's good to be with you. Yeah, it's good to be with you too. When you asked me to interview you, I was thinking about what I wanted listeners of Body Tonic Radio to know about you. And one of the first things that comes to my mind when I think of you is your relentless work ethic and your ability to continually reinvent yourself. I'm curious if you could speak to where that push and endless curiosity comes from. That's a really interesting question because when I think about my upbringing and my roots, I grew up in a very traditional family environment in a lot of ways and in a little town in Queens, which was a very uh, loving place to be raised. I had a great sense of community. In a lot of ways, though, it was very insular and kind of predictable. I guess I was kind of lucky that my brothers were much older than me or much younger than me, and so I spent a lot of time almost like an only child And so even though we had a lot of family events that I would go to or sports that I would be watching my brothers play, you know, all weekend, I'd often be sitting on the sidelines by myself, free to have my own thoughts and free to explore things that I found were interesting. I think the main thing that really enabled me to have the environment for that curiosity was just feeling very loved when I was growing up. And then when I wound up going to a high school that wasn't in my neighborhood in Queens, I got to meet a lot of different people. And I think that really fanned any flames of curiosity that I had, just being around a diverse array of people socioeconomically and just culturally. I got to see and do a lot of things that a lot of my friends in Queens growing up didn't get to do. And... It was exciting. I had like a taste of stuff that was different. 
Let's talk about that LaGuardia High School for the performing arts that you attended. It's it's the famous high school in New York City in Manhattan where the show fame was set. Can you talk a little bit more about that experience? And also, since I know you and I know your love for Martha Graham, <laughs> is that when you found Martha Graham? How did Martha Graham enter your life and your dance life? I love that you ask about Martha Graham, and I love that your knowledge of my experience with Graham really sticks with you because we've known each other for a long time, and I, I must talk about Martha all the time. And, and not like I pursued a career in, in, in Graham, but I think what that did was it really gave me a different way to explore my body than what I had been introduced to in a small town dance studio, um, where a lot of it was about just like your feet and your arms. Once I was introduced to the Graham technique, you know, you're sitting on the floor for the first 45 minutes of the class dancing. And so it, it made me realize there was just so much more. I had been a dancer already, but I couldn't believe there was this whole other realm that I had previously not been exposed to. And that was a completely, you know, new landscape to explore. And so in that way, I think it opened up my imagination to, you know, even though I felt very certain with my dancing at a certain point, now it was, everything was new and fresh and kind of uncertain, but yet also had a certainty to it in that it was grounded in a technique. But the technique is meant to kind of open possibility for you and not contain you. You know, I think as I explored other movement realms in my life, I could probably go back to that being like a very, very strong sort of epiphany for me. After LaGuardia, you went on to NYU. And then when you graduated from NYU, you worked in media, People magazine. I'm curious about the pivot from dance to media, but then I'm also curious if you could talk about what having an office job experience like that gave you and how it stuck with you even as you moved on to return back to movement-based work? Well, I did, after graduating college, dance for a couple of years professionally, and I, it was kind of bittersweet for me. I found the audition process to be horrible, and I was doing work that I wasn't really enjoying, and it was and unpleasant in that way. And of course, there's the financial struggle of being a professional dancer, which I really wasn't enjoying. And then um, my father passed away during that time. I was about 22 years old. And with that, went away any sense of security that I had. And so the desk job really came along. First, I was a temp to really kind of bridge the financial gap that I was having and allow me to sort of audition still and then I kind of got pulled into that office environment I was I was good at it I was organized I understood how to behave in an office environment and I could talk with different kinds of people I was curious and I was a really hard worker so as I stepped into that role um, I kept getting offered bigger and bigger jobs I learned a lot about how to work within an organization. I also sat at my desk uh, with no shoes on a lot of the time because I, I still had that movement inside of me that needed to come out. So every time I saw the long hallway at People Magazine, I would think, 
I really want to cartwheel down that hallway, or I really want to Shanae turn down that hallway. So, so even though it was satisfying like one side of my brain, it wasn't satisfying the other. And so I began to crave movement again and wound up finding a Pilates studio that was nearby. I had done Pilates in high school at LaGuardia High School for a semester, and Little did I know the place where Joe's protege, uh, Romana Krizanovska, worked out of was maybe three blocks away from People Magazine. And so I went on my lunch hour and pretty much from the first session, I felt like a fish returning to water. I got back to my body. I felt that same feeling of that certainty being contained in the equipment and yet that same fire of my imagination coming up because it was just so interesting and I started to go twice a week I fell in love with the place you would find 90 year olds exercising and ballerinas from New York City Ballet doing Pilates and you know everybody in between and I just thought it just felt like a certain kind of a home to me and I really I really miss that place I think if I could go back in time I'd want to spend one more day at Drago's gym which sort of leads me to my next question how did you go from Drago's gym and becoming certified in Pilates there to deciding to start your own business why not just be a teacher at Drago's gym? Well, Drago's was a really interesting place. It had a lot of sparks flying around it. And I think that wasn't really a great environment for me. There's just a lot of different personalities. And I really enjoyed learning there. But I kind of felt like I wanted to be someplace a little bit more grounded where I could see a trajectory for learning. And so I started teaching out of a a physical therapy office and I bought equipment from my home to teach out of my apartment and it kind of just developed like again I was just naturally very organized and I enjoyed doing things like making my own letterhead and coming up with a name and typing up policies and you know even when I was a child I would play office like other girls would play with dolls and I would want to play office And when I had my hands on the equipment and I had a person's body in front of me to work with and all the admin from what I had learned at People, sort of all of it started to come together and people came to me and taught me that that's what I should be doing. The business out of my home just flourished. People wanted more. It didn't feel hard to do. Then it just became a game of compartmentalizing and balancing my time and energy, Um, you know, because I had clients who wanted to see me at 530 in the morning and clients that wanted to see me at eight o'clock at night. And so, you know, then then that compartmentalizing my time really became the thing. But it's interesting to think how like my dance background and my my family of origin and my work at People Magazine kind of all all of it swirled together to create a lot of momentum behind having my own Pilates business, which was and still is very successful. <laughs> and and so I'm curious, you know, as you built up 
all of these hours of training so many different bodies, looking at different bodies, training teachers, your business is flourishing. Why did you eventually take a break to study yoga? That was a really interesting time in my life. You know, I've I'd practiced yoga on the side for many, many years, and I probably discovered yoga more intensely and more deeply, you know, prior to my love with Pilates. I went back to it, however, after I had had uh, my second C-section. And I think it was really important for me to connect with my body and the power of my body and the spiritual connection of being in my body in a way that wasn't work and in an environment where I was anonymous and could grow and without other people's eyes on me that kind of knew me or had a vision of me. And so it was a really good decision. And of course, you were around during that time, and you guys really helped keep the studio going so that I could get that space and do that yoga teacher training. And that was a really, really good decision. It not only helped me get back to my body, because I was about 40, and um, with much younger people around me, I got to feel really proud of myself keeping up with all of that and and being a newly single parent with a three and a half year old and a one year old. I really needed that space. It did bring me back to feeling proud of myself and good about my body and my power and allowed other people to step in and help me, which I really needed at the time as well. Um, And in terms of Pilates, what it did is it really showed me what Pilates offers that isn't yoga and why they're different and why they're complementary. It highlighted the sensory experience of the Pilates equipment and it highlighted the structure of the Pilates equipment, which I hadn't noticed with such depth before, but you don't get those things in yoga. You know, you're mostly on your feet or on your hands. um, And in Pilates, you're mostly on your back or on your front. And, you know, you're not often pushing into things with all of your limbs with yoga. So I got to have that freedom um, of not being confined in yoga, but also taught me about the structure that we work with and how it educates people's bodies. This is Candace Thompson, and you are listening to Body Tonic Radio on JasonCharles.net. I'm speaking with you live from Atlanta and having a conversation with Jennifer DeLuca, owner of Body Tonic Pilates Gymnasium and your host for Body Tonic Radio. Body Tonic is now almost two decades strong. What does it mean for you to be the head of your household, to run your own business? How do you maintain your sanity and fitness with all of these demands? Um, it does take effort. The key word for me is balance. You know, I have a yoga teacher, her name is Cindy Lee, who would always remind us that the word balance comes from the word balare, which means to dance. And so it's important to remember that that is a state of motion, but you don't just find balance and stay there. Balance is maintained because you shift from side to side and back and forth And I do tend to do that, and I do tend to allow myself those shifts in my life. I might spend more time at work one week and then more time with the kids the other week. The other piece is self-awareness. I try to really be where I am when I'm there. I, you know, I know when to put my phone away. I know when to ignore a call. I know when to take a call. 
I know when to push everything aside to be with my children. I know when to be at work and not be thinking about my children. Um, it's also a very exciting time to be all of those things. There's slowly more and more recognition for the fact that women are so versatile and women can handle so many different things. I feel very connected to my community. I'm enjoying being civic-minded. Um, you know, my my dad coached for 15 years in our community, and he was very active in the community when I was growing up, and my, and my mom was too. And so, you know, with everything that you're saying, just that, that nurturing quality of growing a business and working with others and connecting with other businesses in the community, and it's an exciting time. I mean, it's definitely, I'm busy, but with a little thought and preparation, there's a lot that's happening that I'm really, really enjoying. What do you think it means to be an expert? I ask this for a couple reasons. I ask this because in my mind, I think of you as a Pilates expert, as a movement expert. But we also live in a culture of influencers and of social media stars, some of which may or may not be experts. So I'm just wondering if you could speak a little bit to the, the criteria that makes someone an expert to you. You know, I've heard other people say about me, you've been paying attention to people's bodies for a really long time. And I think having the humility to know when you're wrong or recognizing that you had one thought and then you researched that a little bit more and then realized, oh, wait, it could be better thought of like this. So I think remaining curious, doing something for a really long time, being very observant, being humble enough to recognize when you don't know something. You know, I look for an expert with those criteria. I want to know that that person's open-minded enough to know that five years from now, 50% of what they're saying might not be true anymore. <laughs> you know, that that we're all, we're all just really paying very close attention and finding the information that we can get and doing the best with it and combining that with our not only research but anecdotal evidence from our lives and our own intuition. I like to think that that's how I function, that I'm listening, I'm observing, I'm intuiting, and again, having that willingness to know that maybe you're not getting it right. What can listeners expect from Body Tonic Radio? Oh, I'm really excited to sit and talk with people that I come in contact with that I think are doing just amazing things for our mind, our body, and our soul. I hope to bring people a wide spectrum of options to choose from if they want to change something in their lives to be just a little bit more healthy or just if they're curious about how somebody else stays healthy. I'm so looking forward to it. And thanks for listening to Body Tonic Radio. This is Candace Thompson, live from Atlanta, interviewing your new host, Jennifer DeLuca. If you want to catch up with me, you can find out more about me at DIYDancer.com. And for more on me and Body Tonic, you can visit Body-Tonic.com. And to keep up with Body Tonic Radio, keep listening right here at jasoncharles.net. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Candace.
This is Body Tonic Radio with Jennifer DeLuca on JasonCharles.net. <laughs> 